actors live in this world, in this bubble. And so they don't live in the world of everyone else that are going nine to five, that are dealing with their bills, their electrical bills, their gas bills, or this, or this, this, this. It's, it's a different world. You go to the set, people are putting makeup on your face. Sit down, sir. Sit down, ma'am. You know, there's certain things that you get. There's a craft service over here. You can get food over here. You can get things over here. You got to talk to your agent. You got another thing going on. This is, You got to go to a party. You got to do this. You got to meet. It's a different environment, right? The real world doesn't work that way. The real world is a, it's a different type of situation. So when you get used to that limelight, um, and that's why a lot of people, when they lose their careers, because that's all they have. And I pray for them because if you don't have something else to rely on, if you don't have somewhere to go back to, it's deadly. And people have taken their lives based on that because their careers are not the same anymore. Hello there, ladies, gentlemen, and as always, everyone in between. My name is Clifton Duncan. You have found my podcast once again. Uh, it is 2023 now. This is the first one of the new year. Uh, sorry, it's been a long time since I've joined you. I promise you this one is going to be uh, explosive. You won't want to miss it. Um, just do me a quick favor, some quick housekeeping. However you're consuming this content, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, if you love it, share it with your friends. If you hate it, share it with your enemies. And uh, let's keep this channel and this podcast growing. Now, uh, we're often told that there is no such thing as cancel culture, and yet uh, I have a feeling that my guest, who has 30 years of uh, experience uh, in the acting profession, might disagree with that. Um, he uh, has appeared on some fantastic, fantastic uh, sitcoms, wow, uh, soap operas, including Melrose Place and uh, The Bold and the Beautiful, among many others, uh, dozens of film roles. And um, now he finds himself in a bit of a different place, uh, perhaps because of his outspoken politics. My friends, uh, this is Antonio Sabato Jr. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who's listening and watching. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, so so acting is literally in your blood. Uh, I mean, how on earth did you did you come to such a, a a crazy crazy profession? Oh, I love it. My my dad did it before me, and God bless his soul. He was in the business for a long time. He left us a few years ago, but uh, he um, he and I just loved acting. You know, I was it was in the blood. I always wanted to make movies since I lived in Italy back in the day. You know, came to this country in the mid eighties in search of a better future for me and my sister. Um, thank God to my parents that uh, were able to, to to do so much for us. And, and I'm just so blessed and honored to have them, um, well, you know, just to, to be part of this family and what the what, what I've seen my parents do for me. But um, no, it's great. You know, it's uh, uh, it's something that I always wanted to do. And I, I've been blessed to 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 have been doing um, what I love my whole life and still doing it right now. So I, I love making films. I love being on sets. I love getting involved in every way aspect. It's, it's what I've been doing my entire life. 
I was going to say, was there ever a point where you and your, your dad were just, uh, your dad was just like, please don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. That's what you hear all the time is, you know, unless you yeah. really, really love it, then don't, then don't subject yourself to the, uh, exactly. to the torture. I mean, that's, that's what my dad and my mom told me is if you really want to do it. And I started at a very young age. I was like, I really, I mean, I've watched movies since I was a little baby. I mean, I just, so I, I just enjoy watching films and, and I said, I want to do that. And I remember I've been 10 or 11 years old. And I said, that's what I'm going to be doing. And um, my dad and my mom told me, you know, you got to work hard. You know, you got to show us that you really want to do it. Um, first first and foremost, I had to learn the language because, you know, when we moved to this country, that was just something that I always wanted to do. Not only just the fact to speak the language and uh, and, and to um, to really learn about this country, but also as an actor, I always wanted to play roles that you know I wanted to be an American kid. You know, I don't I don't want to play the foreign kid and all that. So I just went to I dedicated myself extremely hard. You know, on on vocal classes, dialect coach classes. I took those classes as a teenager, after school programs um, and acting and drama departments. I went to schools, Estella Adler. I went to school at the actor studio i i went to teach not teach i, I went to learn from like the best one-on-one -on -one teachers as well i asked my parents can i learn from this guy and i would call this acting teacher and i would say can we can i can i come and see your seminar or can i uh nina Foch was a great actress one of my first teachers um as a teenager i remember an american actress she's passed away but she was an american in paris she was one of my first really one-on-one uh, -on -one teachers as well as the class, but I learned a lot at a young age. And, and I learned that from um, the way um, the craft uh, has been taken in this country alone. Um, it was really intriguing and really uh, fascinating. I just, and I watched even more movies. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's always great. Um, great training just to be able to watch movies. You know, yeah. you, you mentioned hard work and, and I feel like um, a lot of, at least in, in this country, there seems to be, and you mentioned the craft, um, the way it's studied in this country, I feel like there's a, a big disconnect um, mm -hmm. between the understanding of what work is, or at least what work goes into what an actor does. So I, I would love, to, if, love it if you sort of delved into a bit to maybe some process and, and, and what you mean by, you know, having, having worked hard and applied yourself. Yeah, well, you know, like anything, if you love something and uh, especially as competitive and intriguing as the craft of an actor, because you're only as good as your last job. And and sometimes you're not offered or you're not in a position to take the best roles. So you got to make the best out of it. There's just show business is 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 a business. And also it's about the craft. It's about everything. It's about how do you live your life away from the business, how you get involved in, in, in working with specific projects. You never know if a project is going to be successful or not or make the money back on all those things. So so it has to start from loving the craft. It means that you're not doing it for the money. It's one of those, this one of, I mean, if not the oldest craft that we have on our planet that allow us to do something freely. It's just a free way of expressing yourself artistically wise. So it shouldn't be about the money, but we live in a society and we, we, we live in a system called the matrix, you know, in this, this world that we live in that everything is given to you and, and, and on a plate. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's very deceiving. The hard work has kind of gone away because everything is easy to achieve and easier to achieve what I'm saying because the information level and the way you, are, you, you can get answers on the internet right now is just fascinating. In 24 hours, you can be a genius if you really play your cards right. So 
Um, but going back to the craft, my father always told me that whatever you do, whatever you love, whatever you end up doing, whatever it is, treat it as best as you can. It means that you're professional, you show up early, you dedicate yourself to the craft, you work on a specific project beforehand. Uh, if you go and audition for something, you're 100% ready or don't go at all. If you go into a meeting for a project, you're 100% devoted to that project or don't even go at all. It was the extreme. My, my parents always told me, you either do it like your life is dependent on it, means you're, going to, you're getting on that ship and you're going to cross the ocean and you don't know if you're going to get there. And so those are the things that I was brought up with. Me and my sister were very blessed to have that, to have had that, the hard work. And so we we still live that way now, you know. I'm I'm gonna be 51 in about what a week or so, and a week and a few days, and and um, I still feel like a 20 year old physically, and and I feel like I'm the best shape of my life, and I've learned so much. But internally, I feel like a kid. I feel like I, there's so much to learn every day. I mean, you never get to a place where you're comfortable. Like I know every, you don't know nothing. We don't know nothing. <laughs> At the end of the day, we know nothing yeah. and we think we do, but we really don't. So um, it's a matter about learning every day about yourself. And in my business, you incorporate being yourself into the work. So you bring yourself to the table and the more you can do that as an actor, I think the more you can get better as a performer. Yeah. And you said so much there. I want to respond to and, and, and endorse, you know, there's one, I guess I'll just work backwards. There's one is the notion that actors often get lost in the character, but I love what Uta Hagen said, which said, no, what you're really doing is finding yourself in mm -hmm. the character. You're finding the bits and pieces of yourself that align with the character that you're playing. So, mm -hmm. and that's how you reach the most sort of uh, pure, authentic level of uh, individual expression, which is what you, also what you mentioned. And uh, especially yeah. acting is one of those ultimate forms, isn't it? Of, of free expression, because mm -hmm. every, every approach uh that you take i mean every 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 new project is a new is sort of a new puzzle but but mm. even the way that every actor works is uh, is a reflection of that uh specific individual actor and it's mm. just it's just interesting to me because uh you know it seems now that so much i mean you mentioned some cultural issues uh, which i think we'll get to <clears> but uh, but how much of our profession i think has been seized by people one i had one guy tell me you know you become an actor because you don't want to work and uh <laughs> <laughs> but also there's this sense yeah. of um this this rigid sense of conformity and just you know you have to kind of fit in i mean you know it's it is a very r and r heavy business uh, relationships and reputation um but nobody wants to step out of line nobody really wants to rock yeah. the boat nobody wants to be considered um, difficult and um that's been the 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 strangest thing for me is to is to observe over the course of i mean i started i mean i i went to college in for it in um what starting the year 2000 or so and then i i got out of grad school in 09 i just been have uh you know working my way up um, ever since and even at the time i mean i, I got out of conservatory in around 2009 and um it, mm -hmm. it wasn't as um things weren't as intense as they are now but i guess my question for you is uh even though you you, you don't look 51 uh maybe they hate you because you're beautiful <laughs> um you know was, was there was there was there ever a point where you you began to notice a shift in terms of how you see the world and, and your background versus um, the sort of uh, cultural climate of the industry? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, we, we see it every day changing and continuously changing. And it's not changing in the right direction because, you know, in my personal opinion, when you take away God, when you take away faith, when you take away parental guidance, when you take away common sense, 
um, then your freedom has been taken away because it's only one way of seeing it. Like there's no discussions, there's no, and like I said, common sense, the factor that we, we, we were created by, in my, my opinion, my created by God, and it's, it's something that we were created to be better. We were created to learn, we created to progress. Uh, we were created to always make the impossible possible with the things that we've done as, as, as humanity since the beginning of time has been extraordinary. I mean, look at the way we're doing now. We're talking to you on this, this thing that was created by someone. And so those are things that are going away slowly but surely. And so when you take away God and, and, and all those, the core of this country, that's why I moved to this country. That's why millions of people are trying to come in. That's why millions of people are invading our country now at the border because they're, they want to come here for that freedom. But at the end of the day, is the freedom being taken away everywhere in the sense that you can't really be yourself in a way they want you to be yourself. Be free, do whatever you want to do and be yourself. But then when people are being themselves are not liked, they're put in a corner or it's too truthful, or it's too honest. So there's barriers that we put on ourselves, right? But those barriers are getting to a place of no return because there's no place to speak. There's no square anymore. I mean, thank God we have this now that we're able to, to reach across the aisle somehow and, and be able to talk and say, this is what's going on in our country. You know, we have our credit card debt in our country is $1 trillion. Our debt nationally, I mean, the whole country is over $30 trillion. Our homeless population is into the millions on the streets. I'm not talking about one or two million. I'm talking about millions of people all over our streets between veterans and people. Our border is completely open. We have thousands of people being caught every day and millions are coming into our country. Economically given, where are we going to put these people? We can't even take care of our own. We can't even take care of our inner cities. And we're in, and I can keep going on this, but we're in 2023. And with all the money and power that we have in the world, we can accomplish so many things. We could actually get rid of, of people living on the streets altogether with the money and the things that we blow with this and that. So at the end of the day, it's the system that wants it to be that way because we can complain all we want. But nothing is getting done. Uh, politically, nothing gets done from both parties. Um, internally in the cities are falling apart. Beautiful cities like Chicago, people are sleeping all over the airport. Nobody's doing anything about it. People are walking between people. People are sleeping in tents. So that's something that we need to do. And people have to speak the truth. But at the end of the day, we have to do something. We can't keep talking about it and go, well, the debt is going to get lower. How? <laughs> where's so much money? 30 trillion just just how many zeros that is <laughs> how we ever are the next generation and the children and also that's another thing and i want to leave it at, at this which is the most important thing the next generation which kids are going at a very young age six and seven year olds are being taught sexual orientations they're not being taught god they're not taught they're not being taught jesus they're not, taught, they're not being taught the respect for the flag and standing up for something greater than yourself. In God we trust. So it's a system that is imposing this way of, it's really satanic, I think. We get into a place 
of <clears throat> the people who are supporting satanic things. And the Bible talks about it. And I'm very faithful to my Bible. And the Bible never doesn't lie. The word of God does not lie. And it's talking exactly what's happening today. People just read a few words of revelations or whatever. It's there. And then people are surprised. Like, oh, the Bible said it. Well, yeah. It's happening because God knows what's going to happen. And when you push God away, you keep pushing away. He floods the whole thing. He floods it all. He did it once and he's going to do it again. Um, and I complete 100% believe in that because... We as humans, at the end of the day, we only destroy ourselves. We cannot get along. It's like problems are created with problems created by people who create problems. <laughs> and, and the system works with these problems, trying to resolve these problems because they create this, this vacuum of lies, of money laundering, and then the problem is still there. And it's been going on forever. And um, I think in the last hundred years, we have seen a dramatic change that we have never seen before. Economically, um, I mean, um, psychologically, scientifically, everywhere is moving very, very fast. Dangerous. Well, it's interesting, you know, because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I, I self-identify as a liberal atheist, which is interesting. And, and probably maybe a decade or so ago, I would have listened to much of what you just said and said, pa. You know, this, that's it's nonsense. But what I've noticed over the past couple of years for me, you know, and I don't think that I'll be somebody who will become a believer uh, anytime soon or in the course of his lifetime. But there is something I've recognized um, about many of my friends who are Christians is that they they there is a sense of they they value the preciousness of life, which I call God's gift. Right. There, there's a way that they value human life in a way that it, it seems like that. Uh, Many of the people, at least in, I guess I'll say my side of the aisle, especially in the arts, they, they don't. And it makes me think, um, I mean, you mentioned before about, uh, you know, how you live your life away from the biz, the business. And, um, and you see so many people who seem to have all the trappings of fame and they get all the perks that go along with it. And yet they're miserable people. They're on drugs. They end up taking their own lives. And I noticed this in myself in New York when I began to get a little bit of success and people were looking at me like, oh man, you know, you, you blowing up. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I kind of hate my life. There's one aspect of it that's going well, but, um, but everything else is kind of, falling to to the wayside and mm. you know especially over the past couple of years uh, given um what we witnessed with the uh, with the virus mm. um we sort of I, I and i wouldn't have used this phrase before or this terminology but um but um, the sense of evil the mm. sense of um lacking some kind of a, a sort of spiritual void. I mean, conservatives often talk about the God-shaped hole. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've come around to this place, and this kind of maybe helps get around back to the purpose and function of art, which is what I'm curious about in, in, in our society. Because if we're looking at a society which is going, as you say, further and further away from God, whoever, however mm. people might define it, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think in some ways the the arts and a great piece of work can create a sort of cosmic or divine transcendent experience that, that might be akin to something that, that's religious. And so mm -hmm. I wonder if, if as artists, maybe part of our job is to create that for people. But when you have an industry full of people or a culture full of people who don't, even if they don't necessarily agree with these sorts of things, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, 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 I sort of take the Camille Paglia track on this, right? Which is that I'm an atheist, but I respect religion. And mm -hmm. there's a reason that these that these sort of ancient stories and these ancient books and these belief systems have um, have resonated for so many people and have stuck around for so long. Right. And, and and I feel like if you sort of jettison that or dismiss it completely, you're sort of 
throwing and I won't say you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but I do wonder, um, mm. I do wonder increasingly the impact that it has, uh, uh, not just on our arts, on our arts culture, but on our society mm. at large. Mm. Yeah, very good point. Um, well, I can speak from my, I, I can speak from my own personal experience mm. with God, my own personal experience with Jesus, because that's how I know God through Jesus Christ. Um, and I was where you were and where you are now, you know, that, that place of, you know, I, I've been at times where I call myself hating God, you know, hating, hating the possibility of believing God and not believing it. I was there. I was there in a dark place and uh, I didn't think I was in a dark place, but I just gave up. And there was a time in my life where I gave up on believing in that. And through Jesus, through my breakup, through my dark places in my life, Jesus was there and he showed up. And that's why I think it's important to speak about that on a personal level, to express how I feel to everyone else. Whether you, my job is not to make you a believer, first of all. My job is not to do that. My job is to live my life with Jesus in my life as best as I can and be a good person and be a good person to others as well as a good person for myself, because that's what Jesus wants me to do. But that's it. And that will show like you were bringing it up. In fact, you brought it up right now as artist, but also in life. How do you portray yourself in life and how you portray yourself on the screen are very much alike in some ways because you bring yourself to that screen. And so, and to be more real, to be a better actress, to be honest with yourself and be honest with the public, because that's what makes the... The best actors are the ones that are honest with themselves, that are not shying away for who they are. Right. And um, I think it's important to have faith and to showcase faith, what faith does to you in a way. Because if we're left alone, and I was alone, and you, you think you can do things alone. And, um, you know, when you're trapped against the wall and there's no light anymore, you either break down to a place of no return, which was what we're seeing right now, was suicides. I just made a film, a great film comes out this summer called Grace by Night, about talking about that subject, about people taking their lives. Hmm. Um, and that's been rising to a place of no return. So people want, do, do you know, to me is extraordinary. And, and, and what the devil wants and what the darkness is, is doing right now is allowing people to believe that this life is not important. That the next life, Whatever, it doesn't matter. This life is not important, so I can take my life out because this life, instead of appreciating, again, appreciating, for me is God and Jesus. For you is going to the beach, watching birds fly. I don't know. It's that purity, it's that love, that consciousness, that thing that we have that separates us from animals. It's 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 that thing inside of that says, here, let me help you across the street. Let me make you a meal. Let's talk about the truth. Let's talk about, and that's the thing that I'm trying to share with people with my family and everyone that maybe that will share with others. And, and then we'll keep sharing because we always talk about the problems. And when people don't agree with us, we always put them aside. Oh, they're on the other side. So it's, and for me, what I've learned is that Jesus wants me to be myself and, ex, and, and ex, accept everyone for who they are. Um, and learn from that and learn from everyone else. So I, I've learned so such a, great way of living from being a, in the dark and now into the light 
And um, it's this life is worth living. It's worth living. It's extraordinary to have the sunshine on your face, to be able to see little things that are just, you know, the sound of my of my children laughing. Um, when my fiance laughs and she has that, you know, those things that make you, you know, when you eat the perfect burger, you know what I mean? It's, 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 <laughs> it's life, you know, and, um, life is precious, my friend, life is precious. And, um, I think we live in a time where we don't put that in perspective because we think that, Hey, we got all this, we can go here, we can go there, we can go there. We have so much information. We think with this and that, but you never know when that precious life will be taken away. So if we started treating our days like it was our last, I think things would be extremely, extremely different. Don't you agree? Do you drink coffee or tea? Of course you do, you beautiful bastard. And that is precisely why I want to tell you about my sponsor, Twin Engine Coffee. Twin Engine Coffee grows and roasts specialty-grade coffees right on the farms in Central America. And guess what? If you happen to be a snob like me and are much too pretentious to drink coffee, you can enjoy some Keturah tea, my personal favorite, which is made from the dried fruit of the coffee plant. You take you some ginger root, a couple lemon slices, some honey, and a dash of cayenne powder, and you'll have an even sexier concoction than all the hipsters tapping away at their laptops at that high-end cafe around the corner. So again, if you enjoy great coffee or tea, support small business and this podcast by ordering from TwinEngineCoffee.com slash Clifton Duncan. Again, that is TwinEngineCoffee.com slash Clifton Duncan. There's a link in the show notes below. Well, you know, it makes me think, you know, how much better, um, I mean, I'm, I'm becoming a bit of a snob in my, in my old age, but uh, how much better our, our artists would be if they value, especially our actors, right, who are supposed to be conduits of the human experience and human experience and, uh, and human condition. Um, yeah. You know, if, if we had more people who embraced uh, the the preciousness of of life and what that is even even you know the good times and the bad yeah. we would have a, a, an entirely different um, at least artistic landscape but as it is mm. and shifting gears a little bit you know because it's it's funny because we often talk about you know we don't want to listen to to actors and their and their opinions about this that <laughs> and the third um yeah. but you know i mean you mentioned earlier about um the sort you know suicide rates and and economic woes and all these things that we're facing and yet you know but if you if you were to go into um, you know your your religious beliefs or or everything else, then you'd be dismissed by so many people uh, who work in our industry. Even though we all see the same kinds of problems, and and mm -hmm. because you know I think we, one of the reasons that we we become artists or actors is because we're sort of bleeding hearts in a way, and we care mm -hmm. about things. And um, and like you said before, we're curious and we're open, and yeah. um, we want things to get better. But right. uh, but why do you think it is that uh, that you are such an outlier? Or maybe the second question in the industry, and the second question is: Are you really that much of an outlier? Do you, are, are there more people who share your beliefs than than are letting on, or, or are we being, um, or is it is it really just an industry that's overrun by one particular ideology? Well, I think what am I really speaking about? I'm speaking about love, God, country, uh, taking care of each other. Um, taking care of some problems so they don't happen again, taking care of people on the street, things like that. You know, I, right. I, I mentioned the common sense. And 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 so I, I, I'm i a chess player. I like, I like to three, four steps ahead. I, I like to investigate. I like to, you know, and I've been 
attacked by certain people in Hollywood, certain the way, and, and and so I try to make sense out of it. I try to get to the core and say, what's going on here? Why, why uh, would they have a problem with this or this or this? This makes sense. I mean, this is because when you're in in a gang and the gang is committing the crime, you're not going to go to the boss and go, hey, you know what? You're doing something wrong. You're just going to follow the rules mm -hmm. because you don't want to step out of that position where you have power. You know, Hollywood is like, you know, everybody's going after that job. It's like one in a million, right? It's yeah. the, the, the competition. Everybody wants it. So if you're in that world, and also at the end of the day, they're not educated in that world. Like a lot of actors only hear and they only investigate in their group of people. It's like being represented by CAA, the biggest agency in the world. You, you're going to be working forever because those people are going to recruit you. You're going to have to follow certain rules. You're going to have to follow certain type of guidance in the way you speak to the press about certain things, the way you tweet, the way you do things, stuff like that. And you all have to agree. You know, they all have to agree on the same thing because you're not going to step out of that. They're telling me I'm a sheep. I will follow. I'm not going to make up my mind. And then if I do speak on my mind, oh, for crying out loud, I could lose my job. Uh, you know, it's, it's to a place of no return. Like casting director is not going to hire you anymore. You're crazy. You're lunatic, you know? And so, it's a, it's a way of bullying people and restricting their lives. And I'm very much against that because Hollywood, as I always known it, is, is a place, and liberals should know this, liberals are the ones who step out of the comfort zone to help everyone. They want to help the world. They want to help the actor get a job. They want to help this. They want to help the third world country. They always want to help just help, but they don't. Because if you agree with, if you disagree with them, and you can't agree with everybody about everything. That's the point about disagreement. It's you, you agree, disagree, you, you talk about it, but then it, you're talking. You, there's no discussions anymore. And so when you get to that place of socialism, communism, those are things that have happened to my family. Um, World War II, I know so much about it. Um, and, and, and so when you restrict the voices of the American people or anybody, let's talk about our industry. You can't talk about promoting this. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about this kinds of stuff. Um, and it's wrong. You know, we should be able to talk about everything. But I think it's a system. It's bigger than that. The system wants it to be that way. So a lot of people are being fooled. A lot of people will follow. There's only a few leaders in our world that, you know, people that really step out. And if you do step out, you have to be willing to lose your job. You have to be willing to stand up for what you believe. Um and that's a dangerous thing when you have family, you have kids, you have, you know, I relocated to a different state, my friend. I live in Florida. I I went back to school. I had I had to do certain things to acquire different jobs, different licenses uh, to 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 make a living. So if you don't have a strong family or strong will and faith in my in my for me, I wouldn't have done it. I would have stayed. I would have probably end up living in California still and probably end up being on the news and apologizing for my behaviors and trying to get a job. And, and, and I can't live that way. That's not who I am. Yeah, no, I, I feel that uh, I said early on, you know, when I began sort of speaking up about things that I was discontented with, it's just, uh, you know, there are certain things that are more important than an acting career, uh, believe it or not. Uh, it's funny, you know, mm -hmm. you, um, you know, they, they talk about diversity. I, I jotted down this morning that uh, when they when they say they want diversity, what they really want is communists of color. Um, <laughs> one, one I mean, quick... brother, listen, we're talking about color. We're talking about race still. It's like I we know. can't have a conversation. Like, like Hollywood has to hire you and has to hire me 
and there's a positions for everybody depending on the race yeah yeah we're, no. we're all the same we're, we're, we're that's again again when you continuous bring that in front of people they tend to believe it and they tend to fall for it and so then you fall for that going you know like comedians cannot do comedy anymore they can't not allowed i mean if you make jokes about ooh, whatever it's crazy you you got to be put in your place and so it's kind of sad you know it is sad and but at the same time i also believe that there are artists who are pushing the envelope it's going to be it's going to be very hard to to but i think there's people like me that are willing to not give up you know not give up well i think what's also um you know i mean because i never really worried too much about my race until i became an actor and it became a hot topic of <laughs> discussion <that> yeah <laughs> right but but on top of that you know what's what's um so there was this interview that viola davis gave with uh, tavis smiley uh when mm -hmm. she was nominated uh, for the help and mm -hmm. you know tavis smiley sort of voiced concerns that a lot of black americans were having at the time which is like you know i i appreciate that you're nominated but um, I don't like what you're nominated for. And for those who don't remember, mm. uh, The Help was a movie about black um, uh, maids Very in cool. the, in the, well, I didn't, but, uh, oh, didn't <laughs> but like no, I just didn't the think it was a good performance. I mean, that was well made. It was, um, it was extraordinary. I mean, it was an extraordinary performance by her. I got to say. I mean, she well, really she's, well, she's a force of nature. She's always great. But uh, but but what she but her response to uh, to Tavis's concerns, I thought, were really interesting. And again, mm. this was a long time ago when she said this, and I think uh, it needs to be shouted more often. And she goes, "That attitude," and you guess, and Tavis goes, "Yeah, uh huh." And she she continues is destroying black artists. And mm. basically her point was that, you know, it's one thing if you are offended that the writing is bad, the characters are shallow, um, there's no sort of depth to them. Um, that would be a, a legitimate concern. But if you're just, but if you're mad at me because I'm playing the maid or because Denzel Washington is playing the rogue cop, then that's when we have a problem. And that sort of attitude is stifling black artists because then you have this, this uh, culture where we're super afraid to play certain roles or we don't want to portray ourselves a certain way. And you know this, yeah. you know, it, when, once you begin yeah. thinking in those terms, it sort of limits yeah. the, the, the choices you're willing to make. And yeah. I remember when I sort of broke free, I was playing uh, Caliban in Washington, D.C. And mm. for those who don't know, in Shakespeare's The Tempest, Caliban is a slave. He is explicitly referred to as a slave. And even in the costume design, um, there were, you know, I had some chains on me. So you know, and so, and, but I found myself being the one person in, in the rehearsal process that was like, no, let's go there. Like whip me around the stage. Like, you know, not, not literally whip, but you know, toss me around the stage and, and uh, let, let's not back away from this imagery and from this dynamic, you know, it's in the script. People are going to bring their baggage anyway. They're going to complain anyway. But once I released this idea that I had to portray myself in a certain way, then I was able mm -hmm. to fully enter into the character and make choices as I wished. And what happened is that the audience saw this this composite figure um, mm. of this really, um, I, I'll, I'll say, put upon the sort of but dignified, virtuous being who, you know, mm. sort of takes this weird turn in this in this play. And, you know, yeah. I, I made him more human than some kind of weird alien monster or mooncap, as they call him. And that was what enabled me to free myself as an artist is not worrying about what what um, what the white audience is going to think about me or about what the black audience is going to think about me. Just mm -hmm. worrying about what's on the page, 
what is the most compelling way I can bring this to life? What choices Absolutely. can I make? And you know, playing off of my other actor, uh, my, my scene partners, how can we create something that's really compelling and very mm -hmm. memorable and alive for the audience moment to moment? And that's what we did. And, that, and it was a very successful production. And uh, it was like sort of a milestone for me of getting out of that, stepping out of the realm of identity politics. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it should be about, isn't it? I mean, finding out yourself in the process and allowing yourself not to judge the material that you're looking at. I mean, right. if you, if you're judging something, this is something I learned from my, one of my first teachers, um, Jay Goldenberg. And he told me, if you, if you judge something, you're not going to get into it. You're going to mm -hmm. be judging the whole thing. If you have to be involved in something, you have to put the judgment aside. You have to put yourself in that moment and, and live through that moment as the character. That's what we do as actors, right? We live through that moment and bringing ourselves to that moment as realistically and open as we can. But if you start judging something, you continuously, even unconsciously, will be able to, to judge the characters because you're judging it. You're liking it or don't liking it. And so when you agree to do something, you can't say, oh, I like this or I don't like this. You automatically said you love it because you're in it. So, and that's, that's, again, that's another lesson that we learn as human beings. If you do something, you have to be able to have the dignity to love it or find ways to, to love. And otherwise there's no, there's no, what's the point of living if you're miserable? And that's, that's another thing with, I tell people, it, there's always ways to get out, but you have to find the way to actually believing that you can get out. Mm. Once you let everything go and go, you know what? I can't do it. I ran out of options. I don't know what to do. You let it all go. That's, you know, that's one of the things they, 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 they teach you out of recovering any type of addiction as you have to let go. You got to let go. You got to say, I'm done. I can't. And for me, it was spiritual. I asked God for help because I can't do it by myself. For you, maybe it's just like understanding that it's like, listen, it's out of my power. It's out of my hands. I'm going to do it and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to love every minute of it because that's why I decided to do. But Nowadays, people have an option to choose. And so they keep changing their minds. It's kind of like, this doesn't work. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. They don't continue. The divorce rate. People don't want to stay together with their significant other. It's easy to get divorced. Boom, get divorced. Boom, boom. And listen, I'm not speaking like I'm some sort of genius here. I, just went, through, I went through that stuff myself. and But that's the thing. We as human beings will continue to make mistakes. It's just a matter of how willing you you are to keep doing those mistakes or say to yourself enough i'm done with that part of my life now i'm going to go with this and i think as actors because especially the working actors going back to what we talked about earlier is that actors live in this world in this bubble and so they don't live in the world of everyone else that are going nine to five they're dealing with their bills their electrical bills their gas bills their this their this 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 it's it's a different world you go to the set People are putting makeup on your face. Sit down, sir. Sit down, ma'am. You know, there's certain things that you get. There's a craft service over here. You can get food over here. You can get things over here. You got to talk to your agent. You got another thing going on. This is, You got to go to a party. You got to do this. You got to meet. It's a different environment, right? The real world doesn't work that way. The real world is a, it's a different type of situation. So when you get used to that limelight, um, and that's why a lot of people, when they lose their careers, because that's all they have. And I pray for them because if you don't have something else to rely on, if you don't have somewhere to go back to, 
it's deadly and people have taken their lives based on that because their careers are not the same anymore it's um it's an up and down business very intriguing they build you they break you they build you they break you but it's never happened to me because I, I i i'm close to something a lot stronger spiritually and I, material stuff and things like that don't get to me but i've seen a lot of people in the in, in the hollywood industry lose their lives and and gone too soon because of those things happening it's very sad yeah you know that definitely resonates with uh, with me given the past couple of years um you know it's it's fascinating because uh, you 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 mentioned how people make the um, how you can't comment on material or judge it because if you do then you're already sort of starting off on the wrong foot and and i find um that again, it goes back to the sort of culture of the industry and what's taken it over is this idea that everything, you know, we have this sort of postmodern bent, this deconstructionist bent, where everything that came before is the product of, you know, some colonizer and, uh, and you know, some white male oppressor. And I'm thinking to myself, well, again, if sort of going off of what you were saying, if you are taking that sort of uh, view right off the bat and whatever you read, then how can you take joy in mm. the work that you're doing? I mean, one of my big big things, you know, in, in my training, we had this teacher who said, you know, personal joy, you have to find personal joy in whatever you're doing. I Me, mean, one, just the business is hard enough as it is. Why make yourself even more miserable, <laughs> miserable in the, in the process? But, uh, you know, it's, it's just this, um, I, 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 I just, am, I'm, I'm wondering if there is a way to turn the ship around in a way, because it seems now that, um, I mean, one of my big concerns right now, like like right now, you know, we're talking about the national divorce. I mean, I think it was Marjorie Taylor Greene who tweeted out about that. And yeah. it's been sort of a, a, a topic um, yeah. Yeah. in some right wing circles for a, a while now. Yeah. And um, and the one, you know, salient criticism that I saw is that, well, there's not going to be, you know, one one random uh, blue check on, on Twitter was like, you know, there's not going to be any cultural institutions in red America. And I thought that was actually a good point because one of my frustrations has been that, um, and first of all, you know, whatever, whatever the right wing is, it seems like now it's just whoever opposes the more extreme, the, the extremes of the social <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that, that's, like. that's pretty much what it is. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, it's, it's normal people and people who self-identify hardcore as, as the right. But there's this, um, you know, we talk about culture war, this and culture war that, and one of my frustrations has been that there's been very little, um, attention or appreciation given to mm. arts and entertainment and the sort of culture it produces, but then they come back and they complain. It's like, well, wait, yeah. why, why do my kids have to watch The Proud Family now? We didn't watch this yeah. stuff when I was growing up. What yeah. kind of comic books are my kids reading? You yeah. know, what's wrong with these movies now? They're not inspiring any of my kids to, to do better. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not making me think about life in any way. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I guess in our, in our, in our time together, like, you know, I, people, some people say, that uh, you know, we need people on the inside to get in the machine and um, to, to change mm -hmm. it from the inside. But from my perspective, there's too many incentives to not do that, as opposed yeah. to building something um, from the ground up. So, what do you see as the future um, of of the entertainment landscape, at least in I guess in the on camera sense? Well, I think, um, in my opinion, I think what the best thing to do is just create your own future, create your own production companies, create your own distribution companies, create your own studios that stays and does what they believe is right. Uh, but I think to, to stand up to Disney, to stand up to the companies and fight and then and, and pretend you're gonna win, it's never going to happen. And then it's also, there's no point of fighting for really, if you wanna work in the same industry, you got to get along, you gotta to work together, you gotta to hire people that are probably disagree politically and that's what it shouldn't be political. Right. But going back to 
you know, doing films and productions that are, you know, basically with heart and, and, and dignity and uh, with a great message, those things are being, are being done, but, but they're not being done on the major level like the studios are doing because the studios and Hollywood has their own agenda right now. And, and, and um, but I think in time, I think in time people will come together I've been trying to promote this for a long time that you just you just build your own foundation you build your own ways of making products that you want to make and so and then just open the door and let people in and that's what this country should be about mm -hmm. um but it shouldn't be a constant fight you know I fight for you you're making something I want to make something no I I think I want to I would love to bring back some of Hollywood of the 50s and 60s and 70s you know where the studio was pretty much in charge, but also they were very much pro-America. They were very much pro-freedom and they were very much about God and country and I don't know, just family values or, or, or I used to remember doing after school specials or programs that people got back from school. They were able to watch. They were very educational, very well-made. I would bring that kind of stuff back in and also movies that, reflect the best parts of our country because if you let that thing go that that light you know that that freedom that this country stands for and i'm not saying that this country politically is doing anything right at the moment or or has done but the core of the american people the core of the family values the core of i'm going to win this i'm going to be the best i can i'm going to achieve certain the, the, that's what i'm talking about the core of the american dream is what I would I would focus on because there's something beautiful about it. I mean, look what it's done for my life, and look what it's done for a lot of lives, um, and look what it stands for. Um, the core of that. Now, politicians and people in power and the whole system it takes advantage of that and controls everyone below it. But I think the, the American people will rise up. I think they're going to have enough, and um, and this country will always be a, a unique place in the world, and it's got to keep doing that and we're going through a phase right now but we got to learn and move forward in a better way you know well i certainly hope you're right and just to sort of close things on a on a more unified note you know i mentioned earlier we talked about god we talked about my my non-belief but yet one of my favorite movies of all time is called it's a wonderful life oh, yeah. and uh, you know it opens up with with angels speaking in heaven and the plot hinges on yeah. the visitation of a guardian angel to save jimmy stewart's character and mm -hmm. uh you know i only later found out in life that uh, that frank capra the film's director was a conservative republican and it makes me think to myself how many people uh, how many other people are we robbing I mean, because when I first saw that film, I ugly cried at the end of it. Like, you know, like no. nobody, I soaked my pillow. I mean, if you if you are not moved at all by the by the that scene of the entire town of people mm -hmm. that George Bailey has helped over the course of his life to come back and mm -hmm. finally and get his back, um, yeah. you know, you just you have you have no soul, in my opinion. Exactly. And, um, and and I think to myself, you know, we have all these what I call neo McCarthyists in in the entertainment industry now, and. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes me it makes me 
going back to what you were saying about returning to a certain era of films, it makes me wonder how many, how many, you know, sort of it's a wonderful life like experiences are we robbing from people? Are we robbing from, from potential uh, consumers, if you want to use that term, um, because everything is so ideologically rigid. And then the, the deeper question is, how are we suffering as a society for all of that? Uh, Mr. Sabato Jr., what are you working on now and how can people find you? And support you. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, um, they can support me on Twitter, on Instagram. There's usually I'm on Twitter right now, Tony Sabato Jr. But uh, I have a movie coming out, the one I talked about earlier, Grace by Night. And it talks about everything that we discussed today. And it talks about that hope, that sign of, um, you know, being gracious for something after you see something kind of like that moves you and you're like, you know what? After looking at this, I kind of look at my life and go, I'm, I'm kind of blessed. I kind of, I'm okay. I, I could actually do more. Um, and that's what this type of film is. It, it shows what we're going through right now and, um, and sticking around and fighting for something um, and seeing the outcome of that is much more important than giving up. Um, and I tell people never give up. Just no matter how hard it is, no matter what it seems, don't give up um, because help is coming and it will be coming. And um but you got to also look at yourself and just try to be positive every day. So Grace by Night comes out this summer. I'm very just so pleased about this film and I can't wait for the world to see it. The film is called Grace by Night. The man is called Antonio Sabato Jr., a.k.a. America's Jawline. Um, please, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, share it and uh, check out more conversations on this channel. Uh, we have five stars on Spotify right now, which is uh, which is fantastic. Um, and the, the channel is growing. So, um, you know, I really uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation and tune back in next time. We have more and more exciting guests uh, talking about arts and entertainment and culture. And uh, take care, friends. Bye-bye.